the ship, Leela. Let's just steal the damn radar dish and get back to our own time. But, but won't that change history? Oh, a lesson in not changing history from Mr. I'm My Own Grandpa. Let's get the hell out of here already. Screw history. Welcome to Welcome to Storybrooke. I'm Max. And I'm Tina. And this is chapter 10 of uh, book 4. Right, otherwise known as episode 21 of season 3, Snow Drifts. <laughs> which is a reference to Snow Falls, which was the episode with the Troll Bridge. Was it? Yes. But it was horribly named then. <laughs> uh. I mean, no, that was a bad episode title then. Snow Drifts is, like, slightly better a title because the timelines are sort of drifting. Drifting, yeah. But Snow, because she has to make it all about herself all the time. Although, this is a callback to season one. I mean, this whole thing is a callback to season one when we didn't hate Mary Margaret as much. Well, I mean, we didn't hate Snow as much. We always hated Mary Margaret. Right, because this was when we had Bandit Snow, like, when she was awesome. Okay, so as you have alluded, this is a time travel story, mm-hmm. which is kind of my jam. I love time travel stories. I had forgotten until I rewatched the episode for this podcast how much this episode is basically just tracking back to the future. Yeah, uh, it's it's sort of like Future Man in that it references the thing that it's re- it references the thing that it's homaging. I guess homage. That's a good way to put it. It's I mean, nicer than plagiarize. It's it's so fan fiction-y to just basically take Back to the Future and recast it with Once Upon a Time. But you know what? That's what I'm here for. I'm yeah. here for the fan fiction-y elements of Once Upon a Time. And also, if you're going to rip off a time travel story, rip off Back to the Future, which has some of the best constructed time travel of any other time travel story. See, I mean, not counting Primer, which is the best, but also, like, impossible to follow because... Time travel is weird, y'all. See, I'd say the best is Roswell That Ends Well, the episode of Futurama in which Fry becomes his own grandfather. Well, I mean, when we say best, we always we obviously mean second place to the greatest time travel story. Best friends whenever. Best friends whenever. Seriously. Oh, God, I've got the theme song stuck in my head now. Oh, my God, now I do, too. <laughs> Not a joke. That show's amazing. Watch it now. It's streaming on Netflix. Watch it before... Well, if Disney ends up buying Netflix, then I guess it'll be on there forever. Oh, they were only talking about that for like a second and then they stopped. I don't know if that's still on. Yeah. So, uh, remember, last episode, uh, Zelina totally ate it. Uh, yes, she's definitely dead and never coming back again. Yep. Regina kicked her ass with white magic and then Rumpel secretly murdered her when no one was paying attention. Yep. Um, and... This episode, after a lengthy recap to get you caught up, opens right on the title card with no cold open. And the title card image is a sky beam. Oh, dear. I know you love sky beams. Seriously, just like five years. Just a five-year break from sky beams and then we can start using them again. But they're in literally every other movie. Credit to the new Justice League movie. There were... There was a very, very... There was a place where they definitely could have used a sky beam, and I thought they were going to, and then they didn't. Not enough. They used an energy dome instead of a sky beam. Which is better. Well, I was thinking when the, those vine things were bursting out of the ground. Oh, yeah. 
yeah, that could have been a Skybeam too. Yeah. And it just made me think, like, look, look at all of these other options that aren't Skybeams. I mean, the boom tube is sort of a Skybeam, but I feel like it got grandfathered in there. Because <laughs> boom tubes have been a thing since, like, the 70s. The what? Boom tubes. What is a boom tube? It's the way they teleport in those, uh... Oh! Oh, yeah, no, that doesn't, that doesn't count as a Skybeam. No. Because it, it shoots you up in the sky, but it's like... Yeah, that's not... That's, that's a space elevator. That's not a Skybeam. Alright, so the episode proper starts with some heavy, heavy synergy, y'all. Like, tight close-up on a Mickey Mouse stuffed animal. And it's 18 years ago in a group home in Boston with an adorable blonde child being adopted. This is obviously Emma, of course. For anyone who can't do math, because this child is too young to be Emma. And then we see the kids in the group home watching this other girl get adopted and we see the actress who's been playing teenage emma so yeah there you are so it's 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 obviously not emma but it, it seems like it's set up to be like a twist thing where you think it's going to be emma oh and yeah it's, it's not it's definitely a fake out we're supposed to think that's emma being adopted at the beginning although we know she wasn't and also that <laughs> wait, wait well we know that she bounced around foster cares hmm so we cut to teen girl emma she's like one year younger than when she's going to be played by uh yeah, right? This is, like, 16-year-old Emma, and 17-year-old Emma will be played, um... By late 20s, early 30s Jennifer Morrison. Yeah. So this girl aged a lot in one year. Yeah. Probably not helped by the home's owner, runner, whoever runs this foster home, going up to Emma and being like, don't worry, you'll be adopted. She's in her late teens. She's it's not going to be adopted. She's clearly, like, seconds away from aging out of the system. Although, just putting this out there... I feel like, I feel like she probably would have been adopted, right? Okay, a few things. Mm-hmm. She definitely should have been adopted when she first came through, especially with all of the news coverage about her. Yeah. But I think there's some sort of magical thing around her. Like, there's a magical story shield around her that prevents her from being adopted. There'd have to be, because, like... She talks about it like she was a troubled child, but really nothing we see would have stopped this girl, especially well, when she was a baby. Well, next season we'll see next season we'll see her in one of her foster homes. And I mean, she's no more troubled than a normal teenager, especially one who's been through what she's been through. She's remarkably well adjusted considering what she's been through, but we'll see her in some foster homes next season. And then again when we get Lily, we'll see her in foster homes again. Yeah, I and I can't talk to this. I didn't go through the foster care system. I don't know how it is. I just feel like there has to be some magic thing stopping her from being adopted. Yeah. It doesn't feel like she has any of the things that traditionally stop people from adopting children. No, I agree. She should have been adopted. As, and uh, again, like you said, especially because this was a publicized thing, them her being found on the side of the road. Yeah, by another adorable child who also should have been adopted. No, that's the way stories work, though. Speaking of Emma being an unwanted child, we cut from this to present day where David and Mary Margaret are fawning over their new replacement child. Their shiny new baby. And Emma's all, can I, uh, can I get his name? And David's like, ah, fuck you. This is our baby. Get out of my house. Also, we're royalty. We don't just name our children. We make all of the villagers come stand around us while we name him. And Emma does this thing which... Confirm some weird continuity stuff we've had before, where she asks David, 
are you going to stand on the edge of a cliff and hold him over your head as though this were Lion King? Yeah, which means Emma has seen the Lion King. Which, fine, but it's David understands it, which means that the David Nolan personality has seen the Lion King. Okay, it certainly suggests that. Yeah. But maybe David is just so used to Emma making pop culture references that he just nods and agrees now. I've had enough of your non-fairy tale bullshit, Emma. (laughs) That's actually going to come back later in this episode. Yes, it is. But we do know for sure that Emma has seen The Lion King. You know what else she's probably seen since she just spent a year in New York and the year that she was in New York, it was inescapable? Frozen? I'm sure she has seen Frozen. There is no way she has not seen Frozen. Throwing that out there. Well, we know she saw Mulan, and she was probably too old to see that when it came out. I mean, okay, maybe she hasn't seen Seen Frozen. But but she she, knows she's aware of Frozen. She must have absorbed it through the culture the way everyone else who didn't see it did. Anyway, she notices that Henry's been looking at apartments. Yeah, he comes in with the fake newspaper with the ads that I'm telling you do not relate to actual apartments that are available. I mean, that's not the way the curse is structured. But anyway, he's like, yeah, I found an apartment. And she changes the subject matter by talking about how her parents are just changing the subject matter so they won't have to tell her the name of the baby. It's true. It's like, it's awkward subject changes all the way down. Meanwhile, Robin Hood and Regina are having a sexy Baywatch-style uh, romantic evening. I, yeah, where they're sitting on the ground, eating off the coffee table instead of the couch. In front of a fire. Uh, I don't know if any of you have watched Baywatch, or more importantly watched Alison Pregler's excellent Bay watching videos, but it is a reoccurring thing in Baywatch that people have sexy times by drinking wine in front of fireplaces. I guess that's not really a Baywatch exclusive thing. No, but, it's just a thing. But we're not here for romance. We're here to establish things. Yes, we are here to establish that Robin Hood definitely loves Regina. And the reason he can love Regina is because he is over his dead wife. His dead wife, who he loved more than anything, but he loves Regina more now because his dead wife is dead. That's exactly, that is a very concise summary of this. I think, God, he says dead wife a lot. And Regina, Regina brings up, hey, so I have a dead person too, and I was really sad about it, but then Tinkerbell told me to get the fuck over it and have sex with some dude with a lion tattoo, and here you are. And, and hey, you have a lion tattoo. And um, when they're talking about, you know, their dead loves and their current love for each other, Robin Hood says, it must have all been about the timing, which, yeah, right? Cute. It's okay. It's just, this is just establishing stuff for later in the episode. A lot of the opening of this episode is establishing stuff. And in this next scene, oh, not that one. And when we get to the diner scene where we're establishing stuff, it's going to get real annoying. But first we have a scene with Rumple and Belle where we establish the dagger yeah, situation. That... See, Rumple proposed to Belle by giving her the dagger that controls him, except, psych, he totally didn't. That's a fake and he has the real one. Right, and Belle comes in and is like, hey, guess what? I'm super uncomfortable carrying around the dagger that controls the most powerful magical creature in existence. So can I, like put it in your safe or something and he's all no it's fine i trust you and she's like it's not that you shouldn't trust me it's that i am a very easily murdered person and then someone else could just get the dagger they don't even 
have to murder her. They could just grab it from her. And honestly, the fact that he's not concerned about it and just stuffs it in her bag the way you would a chihuahua is, like, so suspicious. She should be suspicious. I like her sweater here. It's like this very natural color, but it's got this neon col- uh, collar. Yeah, it's got like a it's got a green collar and cuffs. It's cute. Um, it's very librarian chic, which is how Belle dresses when she's not lacy or secretly going through a plot where she's turning evil that only the costumers are aware of. But she establishes that her dad's totally cool with Rumpel marrying her now, which seems like he shouldn't be. And it's weird that she's cool with him, considering he tried to erase her mind to stop her from dating someone. But whatever. Wait, does she remember that? It happened before she lost her memories. Right, but when they went, but then they had the new curse. That wouldn't have wiped her memories of all the stuff that happened in Storybrooke. Oh yeah, I guess you're right. Okay. Yeah, no, she should totally be pissed at her dad for wiping her memory. For attempting to wipe her memory. Yeah. For kidnapping her, tying her to a minecart, and then pushing it over the town line that would have obliterated her memories. That is not okay. But you know what? And would have left her alone in the real world with no memories, handcuffed to a minecart. Yeah. Yeah. Ooh. She she would have starved to death. Well, the key was in there, but... But it fell out. Yeah. Yeah. That would have been an interesting story, though. Okay. <laughs> that would have been an interesting stepping off point for a Twin Peaks-esque show. Yes, right? Well, I mean, it kind of is, right? Yeah, there are similarities. When the other girl with her memory loss comes wandering in, she crossed over state lines, which made it a federal case, which is why Agent Dale Cooper comes uh... in. Sheriff Harry Truman says that he was really excited, not excited, but he said he was grateful that she crossed over town lines because really they were a bit out of their depth. And now that it's a federal case and they can call in my imaginary TV boyfriend, Agent Dale Cooper, uh, you know, it's actually going to get solved. Nobody's going to, wait, he's your imaginary TV boyfriend? Who's your imaginary TV husband? Well, okay, my imaginary TV husband. Ah, okay. It's okay if you're not that committed to your imaginary TV uh, romantic interest. I'm very committed to my imaginary relationship with Agent Dale Cooper. Anyway. So at the diner, Grumpy and Granny are talking about how Sleeping Beauty had her baby and it's lucky she, you know, waited until she wasn't a monkey anymore. Otherwise, she would have had a monkey baby, which is horrifying, but... That's a really weird moment that I feel like they just put in there because they wanted to give Leroy something weird to say. Yeah, fair. Anyway, then we cut to the charming table where the Charmings are sitting and Henry is reading the storybook to young baby, baby Charming. Yeah. And... And no offense to Jared Gilmore, but in this scene, Henry is not good at reading to children. He does not have a good affect. It's a family trait. Oh, yeah. Remember when Mary Margaret read to David, it was so bad that she woke him out of a coma. But it's... It's kind of funny because Emma comes in and she's like, so I can't, I can't learn this baby's name, but I have to hear this story again. Right? She's like, I am, yeah. Um, I am, I'm like, right? I was like, yeah, Emma, same, same. But basically this scene just exists so that we can recap all of the stuff that happened with David and Mary Margaret's meet cute. Because when we travel back in time, we're going to see that meet cute again. Also, Ruby's there to remind us that Ruby exists. Mm. I guess they got her back for a couple of episodes. She 
She exists so inconsistently in the show, which I guess is how real people are in real life. Yeah, that, that makes sense. So, Anyway, there's a huge amount of just exposition of all of season one here. And honestly, it's kind of annoying. I, I kind of came back around to being annoyed at Henry again. Not his fault. There's a lot of exposition to unload and, you know. Yeah, it's all just, this is how we met. These are the circumstances under which we met. This is what happened after we met, where we fell in love. These are the pivotal plot points in our story that you, the audience, need to remember. Also remember that David was engaged to another woman in an arranged marriage before he met Mary Margaret. And then we get a shot where we, like, focus on Catherine so that we can know which actress it is. And then they're like, but she wasn't Catherine then. She was King Midas's daughter. Okay, what... What's weird about this is it makes it not weird that Hook knows who Catherine is later. Uh-huh. You know, when she's Abigail. But he still draws his sword on Ruby. Okay, you're right. That is weird. I thought what was weird about this scene is that it has zero faith in the audience being able to follow along with a, with a pretty basic time travel story. Eh, eh, eh. But Hook makes a sort of side comment about how uh, Emma is her mother's daughter after uh, David makes a joke about Mary Margaret running away. And Uh. everyone's like, wait, what are you talking about? And Emma's all, I'm gonna go. And they sent Hook after her? Right, so Emma reveals for the first time to everyone except Hook that she's gonna hightail it back to New York. Although she doesn't go out right out and say it. It's, she's just sort of implying it and everyone's being a lot more perceptive than they usually are. Well, Henry's like, are we going to New York? And she's like, this isn't the time or the place to talk about it. Although it really is. Yeah. It's exactly the time. And it's Granny's. It's one of the four sets you have. So it seems like the right place. And <laughs> poor Emma, she just wants some decent food. Granny's is like all they have in this town. They will get a French restaurant later. That may be like another curse or so from now. Wait, how <laughs> many more curses are left? I don't even remember. I don't even remember if we get any more curses or how well, many more we get. Yeah, because uh, we know there's at least one more. Oh my god, the show. Wait, and also, are you counting? Wait, are you counting the? Sh- are you counting the curse that brings us into season seven? Uh, no, I was counting the black fairy stuff from the last season. So there are at least two more curses. Yeah. So. So Emma kind of slips off because she doesn't want to have this conversation, and they send Hook to get her. And Henry gives Hook the book, the storybook, and it's like, it will help her remember where she belongs. And now I hate Henry again. Sorry, guys. Sorry, Henry. We will end up, the pendulum for Henry has started, though. Before we used to just hate him all the time, and then we had a good chunk of liking him for a while. It's going to go back and forth. Henry vacillates a lot. Anyway, when Hook leaves to go grab Emma, everyone looks out the window and notices the sky beam. And Rumpel's like, oh, yeah. That's that time portal that Selena was trying to open. Then we come back from commercial on a shot of the sky beam, and this is clearly in the Pacific Northwest, right? This is not in Maine, right? I, I mean, know. you grew up in New England. Does that look like New England landscape to you? Yeah, kind of. I mean, we do have the. If those were a little taller, I'd say no. But we do have some hilly areas, although I don't know if it would be Maine. Uh, this would be a good time to have John here. 
Anyway, location scouting aside, it's a sky beam. A time-traveling sky beam. They run to the police station to see if Zelina somehow set it off from in her cage despite not having magic, but nope. She's gone. She's not there. Because you'll remember, last episode, Rumpel killed her. Forever. She's definitely dead. Not coming back. He turned her to plaster and then shattered her. Plaster or glass. Ceramic. Ceramic. Porcelain like the porcelain dolls in Wizard of Oz. Mm. Yeah. So everyone immediately turns to Rumpel and they're like, Rumpel, did you kill her? Which of course he did, but... He says that... He says, Belle has my dagger, I couldn't, like, she has my dagger, which curbs my homicidal tendencies, which... That doesn't, that's not how the dagger works. As we said last week, he could still do it as long as she didn't... Order order... him. Order him not to. Right. Anyway, then David's like, hey, good thing we have security cameras, and Rumble's like, oh, I fucking hate the 21st century. It makes it so much harder to kill people. But he quickly magics, he quickly magically messes with the cameras so that when it plays back the footage, it shows Zelina alone in her cell, turning herself into porcelain and shattering, which makes zero sense because she doesn't have any magic because they took the pendant away from her. Uh, maybe she stored a little magic like she uh, hid it in her eye socket or something. She, so she just popped out her fake glass eye and then, uh... She had the magical equivalent of, like, a cyanide capsule? Yeah. Okay. All right. Which is what they assume. And also, then, obviously, if that happened, then once she died, the magic from the pendant would be released and it had nowhere to go, so it enacted her last spell. Okay. None of this makes any sense. Whatever. Look. I think we're skipping over the most important part of this uh, scene, which is establishing that... The security cameras in the police station run off Betamax. What the fuck? Regina, your curse is so jacked up. Your town makes no sense. But they call Emma to warn her not to, you know, go poking around the sky beam. But Emma's ignoring them because she doesn't want to have an awkward conversation. Yeah, sounds about right. Hook finds her sitting in the park where she told Henry that Neil was dead. Well, I mean, that's one of the four sets they have. And he shoves the book into her face, and she's all, look, I came back to town for like a month to deal with this, and my kid almost got murdered multiple times. I really just want to go back to New York. And Hook's like, yeah, because no one's going to try to murder Henry in New York. Right. Uh. Anyway, he keeps shoving the book at her, and she's like, don't you get it? My parents had a whole, like life and experience and because of the curse i wasn't a part of any of that and this book is just a reminder of that so good job hook and by proxy henry yeah i just see a life i never had with people i don't know that well yep yep she's like the only thing that matters to me is henry so it's gonna be the two of us in new york doing a gilmore girl style show where i'm an awesome single mom and he's a precocious kid who's super smart and gets into a good school yeah. And my best friend is a chef. And I marry a real asshole, eventually, in the reunion series. I don't like Luke. I, I know what your feelings on Luke are. I, I feel like they've been pretty strongly established. Although, possibly not on the podcast. Who's the one you like? Uh... Digger Styles. I think Lorelai Gilmore should have ended up with Digger Styles. Seriously, I do. He Jason was perfect for her. Fight me, internet. 
So hooks all. You're not even gonna stay. You're not gonna stay for your parents. What about my dick? Would you stay for my dick? And she's like, eh. "Hey, Skybeam." <laughs> yeah, right. That Skybeam is really convenient for not having to talk about Hook's dick. So the two of them go running towards the Skybeam, which seems like such a bad idea, Emma. Well, she's got to investigate. She's the sheriff, except not in this timeline. She's the sheriff, except not in this curse. And you know what? Just don't worry about it. Would the election still count from the previous curse? That is a really good question I have no answer to. So Hook is being really smart here, and he tells her, hey... Let's not get sucked into the giant sky beam. And she's like, fuck you, Hook! Yeah. And they get sucked into the sky beam. Well, okay, so actually, Emma gets sucked into the sky beam. Hook manages to catch himself and not get sucked in, which is important because once Emma gets sucked in, he jumps in after her. Because if this show has any running theme, and it has many running themes, its main running theme is about who you would jump into a portal for. Oddly reoccurring, yes. Yeah. Although I do love Hook's line right before he lets go, which is, one of these days I'm going to stop chasing this woman. Oh. Anyway, yeah. But today is not that day. No, today's the day he jumps into a portal for Emma. Is it weird that the time portal's so sucky? Well, I mean, it has to have gravity, otherwise it doesn't make sense that they would go through it, so. Oh, Okay. <laughs> I'm glad you finished that because I thought you were going to say it has to have gravity, otherwise it wouldn't make sense. <laughs> you know what? It's it's time travel. Don't think about it too hard. Mm. So this happens surprisingly late into the episode. We're like 12 minutes in. Well, I mean, it's a two-parter, so. Emma's like, shit, we're back in the Enchanted Forest. It hooks yep. all... But when are we in the Enchanted Forest? Okay, actually, Emma says, where are we? And he says, not where, when. Which is important because it is required by law that you say that line at least once in any time travel story. I like uh, how they did it in Gravity Falls where they both try to be the second person. (laughs) (laughs) But Emma sees the Snow White Wanted poster, so now she knows when they are because also that's what she was thinking about when she fell through the portal, so it all makes sense. Luckily, they have the book that has basically the cliff notes of all the historical events they're about to see. Yeah. Now, remember, there's like two things you have to do when you go back in time. Don't kill anyone and don't fuck your grandparents. Yeah, those are the two basic rules. They're not both violated, but we get pretty close, honestly. No, Time Travel 101 is don't mess, don't make any major changes that would mess up the future. Uh Unless... Unless it turns out you were supposed to do them. In which case, don't not do them. See, I like how you started out in Future Man and then ended in Futurama. (laughs) But no, the predestination paradox is my favorite time travel paradox. Anyway. Emma should know all of this. Emma references, she references back to the future. She says, we're trapped in the past. Uh, Okay, no, see... You you mentioned this when we were you mentioned this when we were watching the episode the first time, and I didn't say anything because I wanted to save it for air. Mm-hmm. But if you're not obsessed with time travel stories, I feel like people get time travel wrong a lot. So it's okay with me that Emma, a person who exists in a world where there are time travel stories, fucks up time travel. It's not like a zombie story where you you have to sever the head from the spinal column, and if you don't know that, what are we doing here? 
Like, it's not like zombie stories. Time travel stories actually have pretty complicated rules. But she's seen Back to the Future. I mean, she she references it here. Wait, okay, I'm glad you brought that up. Okay. She brings up Back to the Future, and, and Hook is like, Marty McWho? And a second earlier, she says that, you know, they're trapped here, and Hook says, well, I'm sure the real estate prices here are more reasonable than in New York. So he hasn't seen Back to the Future, but he's familiar with New York real estate market. He's familiar with the New York real estate market. He makes a joke about how expensive stuff is in New York. It's it's just so inconsistent. But she says, how do I get back to the future? What do I look like Marty McFly? Which is the thing we've been mentioning for the past, like, five minutes or so. Mm-hmm. And uh, Hook finally gets the chance to do an about face and go with, oh my god, Emma, I am so sick of your non-fairy tale bullshit. <laughs> Right? Nobody doesn't. Which I like, I like the sort of that, I wish more people would call Emma on the fact that her references don't make sense. <laughs> that that would be nice. Anyway, she, she's trying to explain who Marty McFly is. Oh, wait, wait. Which I'm, is not the important thing right now, Emma. It is important. First, I need to talk about, I, I actually need to talk about Farscape, which you have not watched. Hmm. Um, but for two reasons. Okay. So the story, so Farscape is uh, a human astronaut who gets shot over to the other side of the universe. So he's with a bunch of people who also don't get his pop culture references. And when they land on this swamp planet, he says it reminds him of Dagobah. And so all of his companions are like, we have no idea what that means. And he's like, Dagobah, Yoda lives there. And like, we have no idea who Yoda is. And he's like, he's a short guy who trains warriors. And they're all like, all right, great, moving on. That's how Emma needs to be. Hook is like, who's Marty McFly? Is he a wizard? And she's like, well, no, not exactly. But then she realizes what they need is the wizard version of Doc Brown, who's Rumpelstiltskin. Rumpelstiltskin is the wizard version of Doc Brown. A wizard did it. A wizard did it. But before they can traipse off down the yellow dirt road to find Rumpelstiltskin, a Regina attack. Oh, God. Not Regina. Not Regina. Hook the, is careful to point out. That's not Regina. That's the evil queen. You can tell because her outfits are gorgeous. And Emma's jaw fucking drops. Oh, my God. Leather pants and a leather pants and a red velour riding jacket with, oh. And Emma's all, she's even more bad when she's not wearing pantsuits. Yeah, she is. But she's I, telling a whole bunch of villagers that she's going to burn them to death unless they tell her where Snow White is. Yeah, you know, basic evil queen stuff. Look, I don't feel like this outfit fits the fake medieval time period right, but you know what? I don't care. I don't care. I love it. I love it so much. It's one of her fancy horse riding outfits. I get that that's what it is, but it looks like a Victorian horse riding outfit, and this oh, yeah. is not fake Victorian times. Actually, it looks like a Victorian riding outfit crossed with a pirate queen outfit. It does. I love the hat. Yeah, I think the hat is what makes it look pirate queenish to me. Oh, yeah, because it's got a plume. Yeah. Anyway, she says that she's going to burn them all if they don't tell her where Snow White is. And then she brings out a woman to make an example of. Another woman who wouldn't tell her where Snow White is. By the way, this village contains both Marco, uh, Geppetto, and Granny. And I was like, did they live in the same village or what? what? Clearly they did. So, uh... Huh. Yep. That just raises more questions. 
<laughs> I guess it doesn't. I mean, not everyone's social with everyone else. But yeah. Anyway, after she trots out this mysterious, mysterious woman, woman so that anybody who's nearby watching could get a glimpse, uh, she just puts her back in the carriage. That's not a very good job making... That's not doing a great job making an example of someone. I know, it's really weird. It's almost like she was doing it for someone else's benefit. Anyway... Hook and Emma realize that they can't walk around dressed the way they're dressed, and they... Well, specifically Emma. Right. I mean, Hook's wearing his... Okay, Hook... Hook's pirate <laughs> outfit has to smell terrible by this point. Also, Hook's pirate outfit honestly makes sense in no setting, so I guess it's okay for him to keep wearing it. But, you know, he has Emma steal her Party City medieval peasant outfit from off of someone else's clothesline. And she's all breasts akimbo. She's all like, this corset hurts? Yeah, Emma. Beauty is pain. And, well, Hook basically says that. She's like, this corset's a pain in my ass. And he's like, yeah, but it's super fucking worth it. Sorry, it's how corsets work. I don't know what to tell you, Emma. So suddenly Hook is goddamn the king of time travel. He's like, remember, don't make any changes or the time stream will be fucked up forever. And he justifies understanding time travel by saying that he's from a world with magic and she's not. But one thing we know about magic is that it doesn't let you travel through time. Yeah, this is apparently the first time a... whatever. <laughs> whatever. Anyway, so, as I said... Boy, that is the same cheap-ass carriage. Yeah, it really is. So, uh, speaking of people doing shit... Uh... Anyway, so, as I said, this episode is basically just grafted over Back to the Future. So, the next thing that happens is Emma has to prevent her parents from meeting. Yep. Because uh, David is riding, uh, David and Catherine, Midas's daughter, Abigail, are in the carriage riding down the road that's about to be robbed by Snow White. Yeah. Cut down a tree and put it in their path. We remember this. Uh, Catherine's wearing that very attractive Kleenex dress. Right. That looked like it's from the 1920s instead of from fake medieval time. That looked like it's from the 1920s instead of fake medieval time. God, the inside of that carriage still looks fake. Are they reusing the shots? I think they are reusing the shots. Which, oh, this episode must have been really cheap, because I think this episode and the next episode reuse a number of shots. Hmm. Anyway. Anyway. I think Charmed did this a couple of times in their time travel episodes. Oh, really? You think Charmed did something cheap to get episodes made quickly? Uh. Anyway. Uh, Marty startles George, who's up in the tree, so he falls out of the tree and then fails to meet his future spouse. Oh, wait, I'm sorry. I mean, Emma startles Snow, who's in the tree, and Snow falls out of the tree, failing to meet her future spouse. Yeah, they're left in pretty directly from the source material. Also, George, giant creep. I know. Yeah, in Back to the Future, in case you forgot, George McFly is in the tree because he's watching women change their shirts. Yeah, you know who I feel bad for in uh, Back to the Future? Lorraine. Yeah. Also, George arranges for her to be raped by Biff so that he can save her and be a hero. I mean, it's not supposed to be Biff, it's supposed to be Marty. Yeah, but... George arranges for Lorraine to be raped so that he can save her and be a hero. God damn it, the 80s. The 80s were really bad. Well, which one was the movie? Was it uh, Pretty in Pink where that drunk girl just gets sold? Um, You know the scene I'm talking I about, I do. I'm right? trying to remember if it was Pretty in Pink or... Because it, 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 it was the James Spader one, right? 
Yeah, I'm trying to remember if it was Pretty in Pink or Sixteen Candles. God, I think it's Sixteen Candles. Yeah. Where that girl gets drunk and he just hands her off to that nerdy guy. Yeah, that's definitely Sixteen Candles. Ugh. Yep. Yep. God yeah. damn it, the 80s. So Emma prevents her parents from meeting, and since she doesn't have a photograph to slowly disappear out of, she opens the storybook and sees that she's slowly disappearing out of it. Except not, it's just completely blank, because they didn't have the budget to have it slowly vanish. Now it's just a blank book. Okay. Okay. You've been back in time for, like, 15 minutes. My god, Fry lasted longer than that before fucking up the timeline. Although he didn't, because predestination, blah blah blah. But, like, you... You've spent almost no time in the past, and you've already stopped your parents from meeting. I really don't feel like it's that difficult. Okay, although to be fair, the way the time travel portal works is it brings you to the moment you're thinking about. And so she's thinking about an important historical moment in her own history. So, you know. So don't hang around. Run away. Well, yeah. You don't stay and watch your parents meet cute, which, by the way... Is kind of creepy. And if she was tired of hearing about her parents' love story, just hearing about it... Oh, yeah, seeing it. Also, as How I Met Your Mother established, meet-cutes actually aren't usually cute. So, they're usually romanticized after the fact. What I'm saying is, if you find yourself traveling back in time, don't give in to the impulse to go watch your parents meet-cute. It won't be cute, and you might never be born. Yeah, you might pull a uh, Josh Futterman and end up uh, hooking up your dad with someone else. This is going to be a heavy future. I'm sorry in advance. Actually, it's not in advance. I'm sorry. This is going to be a heavy Future Man reference episode because... It's time travel and we just watched all of Future Man. Which you should watch. It's good. Not great. Yeah, it's pretty good. It's good. Yeah. And it's got good time travel, which is not a given. Yeah. And everyone's very charming in it. Jane, uh, Jane Kirkovich is in it, who oh, we I... love. I love Jane Kirkovich. I don't know the actress's name. It's it's strange because she plays the exact same character in very, very different shows, but it always works and it doesn't feel like she's ever out of place. I think it's Eliza Coop. Eli- Eliza Coop, I think. Yeah, I, that sounds right. A lot, I feel like it's Eliza has Coo in her last name, but obviously it's not douche Coo. Oh yeah, that's weird, isn't it? Yeah. Speaking of people who play the same character and everything they're in. Awesome. No offense to Eliza Dushku, but... Anyway, back to this episode. So, uh, they pull up to Midas's castle. Which is unrobbed. all... Unrobbed. Uh, David and, uh... David and Catherine pull up to Midas's castle, and it's all gold. And David's like, wow, that looks super tacky. And Catherine says, after a while, you stop noticing. Yeah. I imagine so. Mm-hmm. And, meanwhile, in a tavern... Snow is trying to buy passage from Blackbeard. The senior Dread Pirate Roberts. Yes, yes. I'm glad you remember that um, theory of mine. Yep, so Snow is trying to buy passage from, from Blackbeard to get away from Regina, who's trying to have her killed. Meanwhile, Emma and Hook approach the Dark One's castle, which I think is called the Dark Castle, but they don't call it that here, which thank you for not naming something that. Yeah, there's so much dark stuff. Anyway, then Rumple shows up and is like, oh, hey, it's that guy that I hate. 
which is really weird because they spent so much time reminding us of reminding us of David and Mary Margaret's backstory and zero time shoehorning in what Hook and Rumpel's backstory with each other is. So let's remind every and I and I think that might be because Rumpel looks real unsympathetic in it. Mm, yeah, mm. let's remind everybody of what Rumpel and Hook's backstory with each other is. See, uh, Rumpel's wife left him to be with Hook because he was hella boring. Then he became the Dark One and murdered her, pissing off Hook because, you know, she and Hook were in love and possibly see married. Yeah. They... Oh, and he and then he cut off Hook's hand for, you know, funsies. Yeah, they definitely had true love, uh, Hook and Mila. Really? I think so. I think they could have just had regular love, like what Emma had with Neil. Okay, maybe. Anyway, he really did love her. And and then Rumpel acts like he's the one who has the right to be mad at Hook. And the show conveniently doesn't go into the backstory so that we can just assume that's accurate, for those of us who don't remember, that Rumpel murdered his ex-wife. Also, what's kind of weird about this is that the end of their backstory basically ended with Rumpel being like, I'm not going to do anything more to you. You can spend the rest of your life trying to kill me and I'm just going to ignore you. You're never going to have your vengeance and that's my revenge on you. So it's weird that he's jumping to immediately murdering Hook here. But I mean, they couldn't have done this episode and not acknowledged that Rumpel and Hook know each other at this point in time. But on the other hand, weird. Also, also, what is time? No, 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 no. You mean he should have some questions as to why Hook is not very, very old at this point? But Hook is not very, very old at this point because in a little bit, we're going to see the Hook from this timeline. Yeah, I mean, presumably this is after he got back from Neverland. So he spent however long in Neverland to make the timeline make sense and then got back just before the curse. Okay, okay. Happened, uh, I, okay, I guess that works. I guess that works. I mean, Rumpel should probably have some questions as to why he didn't die a couple hundred years ago, but... Maybe he was keeping tabs on him? No, because then he would have known Neil was off with him. Wait. Okay, now I'm trying to remember the Peter Pan timeline. Uh, well, Neil and Captain Hook were both in Neverland for a couple hundred years ambiguously right i guess rumpel had his future sight telling him that neil was still alive oh oh i'm so glad you brought up rumpel's future sight inconsistent at best i know it's inconsistent at best but when emma and hook tell him that they're from the future he has no memories that contain either of them from the future well this is before he Okay, this whole thing throws so much into question because it's been established in this show that he's been working on the Dark Curse and that he's been moving all of these pieces to get everyone into place, including getting Mary, Margaret, and David together. And this episode acts like that's not something he put together. Like, yeah, it acts like he didn't have anything to do with that, but we know he did. Because... We know he did on a few levels. Yeah, because they, because he needed Emma, the product of true love. To break the curse. And 
later in this episode or next episode he complains about david not going through with marrying catherine something he set up but you only set it up so that david would meet snow yeah i think the show forgot that he did that which is weird given how much of the first season this is like well and also in this very scene emma tells him who she is and says that he needs to help her otherwise she won't be born and she's the savior who breaks the curse so he so it's definitely in his best interest to make this happen. Yeah, she's like, you need to help me, otherwise I won't be able to break the curse and you'll never find your son, Bay." And this is great because he's like, okay, I'll help you. Just make sure you don't change anything while you're here. And she's like, actually. And he sees the look on her face and he's like, oh my God, you already changed things. You've been here 15 minutes and you've already fucked up. You are so your father's daughter. Yeah, she's like, we interrupted my parents' meeting, and he he just looks like... Oof. He's just so annoyed with the Charmings already, and he doesn't even know why. So, she tells him that she knows time travel's hard to swallow, and he's all, not really, I mean, I know it's impossible, blah blah blah, but you've got future magic, so whatever. Right, I mean, I know it's impossible, but lots of things are impossible till someone does them. And then Belle shows up just so that we, the audience, can be reminded how creepy abusive their relationship was in the early days. Also, what is this timeline? But no, Right. Also, what is the timeline of Belle being with Rumple here? But yeah. Anyway. Uh, so Rumple basically tells her to shut up and go to the library. And Emma's all, I can't believe you two totally end up having sex with each other. And Rumple's all, the timeline. The fucking timeline. Just shut up. Shut up about the future. Shut up right now. Yeah. Yeah. And Hook's like, ignore her. She's got a stupid sense of humor. I like that Rumble is genre savvy enough to be like, stop telling me stuff about the future. I don't want to mess it up. Like, you told me I succeeded in getting over to the world without magic and finding Bay. So, like, no more because I don't want to screw it up. He asks who her parents are, which, again, he should know. Blah, 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 blah. But she says, Prince Charming, you'll know him as Prince James. Even though he's actually David, which he would know. Well, no, I mean, Rumpel does know him as Prince James. He specifically knows him as the baby that he made, the baby that he turned into Prince James, more or less. Well, it's the baby who, it's, it's the replacement baby. Right, it's the baby that he sold to the king as Prince James. Not, not, because... Uh, the, the the replacement Prince James baby. Yeah. I mean, as an adult. The baby that David's he... David's still a pretty big baby. <laughs> right? The baby that he turned that he waited until he aged into an adult and then sold to the king. So, they're going to try to get Snow to steal... Wait, sorry. Does Emma know that story? Presumably. I mean, I guess it's in the book. Is Emma like Archer where she doesn't read the dossier before the mission? I'm assuming Henry told her at some point, like, she has to just have that constant background. Well, I mean, that's kind of a weird story to bring up. Like, hey, did I ever tell you about the time that my granddad had an evil twin? Uh, that would be a good thing to know, though. You know, the show really underutilizes the whole evil twin thing. Yeah, you're right. I mean, just in general, it does. Even even the David James evil twin thing, it doesn't really explore evil twin tropes. Huh. I mean, we'll get a little bit of that later with 
you-know-who. But we don't really get any straight evil twin things. James is dead before he and David even meet. Yeah. Oh, weird. Yeah. But they set up the plot, which is they need to get Snow White to steal uh, the wedding ring she stole from David in the original timeline. Yes, they need to go to the enchantment under the sea ball. Yeah, there's a ball that they're throwing to, I think it's celebrate uh, Catherine and James's... Engagement. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So they're going to set it up so Hook will tell Mary Margaret that he's a pirate captain and that he will sail her to whatever realm she wants if she steals this ring and then they'll meet. Yeah, I think what I wrote in my notes is this plot is getting super complicated. But whatever. Yeah. Hook will put Hook will put Mary Margaret on the mission of getting the ring because when David sees her with his mother's wedding ring... Remember, the wedding ring is the magic ring that brings you to your true love. Honestly, honestly, if the ring is a magic ring that brings you to your true love, the timeline probably would have corrected itself without these two messing around. Seriously. Yeah. Yeah. They probably could have just left and it would have been fine. None of this episode needed to happen, you guys. Yeah. Yeah. This is one of those times where literally doing nothing would have been better. Yep. Anyway, as I was saying, Hook will put Mary Margaret on the mission of you need to steal this wedding ring and Emma will distract this timeline's Hook with the tools that she has available to her. Not to repeat a phrase, but I don't get to use this often enough. She goes at uh, this timeline's Hook all breasts akimbo. Okay, I know you love that phrase, but breasts are never less akimbo than when they are bound in a corset. Okay, yes, that's accurate. They're actually very tightly bound. That is what Kimbo breasts look like. They're just breasts Kimbo. Breasts Kimbo. <laughs> but yeah, she does, like, push out her cleavage. Again, a thing you don't need to do in a corset. It will do it for you. Yes, Hook is carousing with uh, two ladies who... They're two random ladies. And Emma's like, excuse me, me and my breasts have something to say about this. Yeah, see, but what... What these ladies didn't count on is the fact that they are brunette, and Emma is blonde. You know, it doesn't look like... they. Again, they probably could have done nothing, and he would have just spent his evening with these two ladies. <laughs> That's a good point. Yeah. <laughs> but anyway, back at the pirate ship, uh, Hook stops Smee from killing a rat, and he's like, you'll see why later, which, gross, dude. Just because Smee was a rat doesn't mean rats don't carry disease, and you shouldn't let them on your ship. Yeah, accurate. Anyway, so now our timeline's hook is on the Jolly Roger, so that he can meet up, so that he can meet up with Mary Margaret there, where, well, this timeline's hook is getting Emma drunk. Ah, speaking of creepy, rapey things. Well, he, uh, our timeline hook warned her. He's like, this hook is rougher around the edges than I am. Yeah, although, ugh. He says, I think you're going to, he says, I think you're trying to get me drunk, which is usually my move. Gross. That's not okay, Hook. That's not okay. That's a real Ross move. Yeah. Anyway, it's some Barney Stinson level rapey bullshit. Anyway, uh, it's okay because Emma, by the way, they do appear to be like taking shots. Like she appears to be matching him shot for shot. And we don't see anything like her pouring it out to the side or anything like that. I think she's just actually drinking this timeline's hook under the table. Yeah. Which... Good Emma. Yeah. Good I, on Emma. I, I can see it. 
Anyway, she's being all sexy and flirty, and that's hot. I mean... Yeah, she's doing a good job. I mean, spoiler for the end of this episode, Hook punches him out so that Emma doesn't have to go through with actually sleeping with him. But if I was Emma, I'd have been pissed at that. I'd have been like, I was totally going to sleep with him. Oh, so you'd, uh... Wait. Would you try to finagle a uh, Anya split Xander situation? Um, That's the dream. Anya, good Xander, bad Xander. Yeah. Hook, present hook, past hook, threesome? Yeah, that's the dream. Although, what would you have bad Xander do? I'm I'm sorry, I'm just thinking back to that episode. His thing was being incompetent at everything, so... Okay, I think you're forgetting what happened in that episode, because he actually isn't incompetent at everything. They're actually just literally the same guy. That Xander just gets in his own head and assumes he's incompetent at everything. So, like, the only difference is confident Xander and not confident Xander? Yeah, so let confident Xander do, like, the varsity level stuff, and and other Xander can just, like, do kind of the easy JV sex stuff. Uh, yeah. You all know what I'm talking about, right? Xander must have been pretty good at the whole sex thing. He kept Anya satisfied for yeah. a while. And she's been around for centuries, so... But she's a vengeance demon. How much sex do you think vengeance demons have? Well, she probably didn't have sex with a lot of human guys. Do you think it was a male thing altogether, or...? Well, I don't think she necessarily cursed men, but I feel like when you're watching men be shitty all day, the last thing you want to do is come home and have sex with men. And we know she didn't come home and have sex with women, because that show was so weird about women having sex with women that we definitely would have heard about it if that was the case. Hmm. No, she didn't find Willow sexy when they did that spell together. In season seven. Well, she has eyes. Yeah, but I'm thinking she probably, I mean, she probably dated demon guys. Yeah, I'm just saying it's probably hard, you know, like, it's hard for family law attorneys to date and get married because they see so many bad relationships day after day. I think it'd probably be hard for a vengeance demon to date. Well, I mean, I'm not talking dating. I, I said date. I meant it in more of a hit it and quit it way. Huh. Well, now I'm just really wondering about Anya's sex life, so thanks for that. You're welcome. I'm sure the internet has some uh, help for you there. Yeah, I'm sure the internet has a lot of stories about that. I'm not sure how accurate they are. Well, dollars to donuts. She uh, ended up going head to head with Halfrick at some point. Anyway, so... uh. Hook ends up enacting his part of the plan where he tells uh, Snow that all he wants is a ring, a very special ring, and he'll bring her anywhere in the multiverse. Yep. He'll bring her to any realm she wants if she goes and steals this ring. And she's game for that because that's basically exactly what she does. Well, he, uh... She's a thief. She is a thief. Hook points it out. and She's all like, I'm a princess. She doesn't say it, but you can tell on her face. Uh, meanwhile, Emma is still distracting Hook, who wants to bring her back to his ship for naughty fun times. Okay, yeah, naughty fun times, but he doesn't say naughty fun times. He says for a nightcap. Is that an anachronism in fake medieval times? A nightcap. Oh. Also, they're already drinking. Okay, well, that's code. Like, do you want to come back for coffee? Or no do you one- want to see my etchings? What? Do you want to see my etchings? Yeah. You never heard that? 
I mean, that was a thing in the 70s. That's like the lamest pickup line ever. Don't tell me tell the people in the 70s. That was a thing. You've read Doonesbury. You know that. I just... I... I I just can't think of a thing, like, less likely to get me into a guy's apartment. I'd be like, well, I really wanted to have sex with you, but now that you've used that terrible line, I think I'm just going to go home. It's getting late. So, Emma's trying to stop Hook from bringing her onto the ship as best she can. Because she doesn't want him to run into the Hook from her timeline, because that would create a paradox, which we know from Back to the Future. Smee, meanwhile, stops him and he's like, wait, weren't you already on the ship? Yeah, aren't you below deck, like, right now? Wearing a different vest? And he's like, okay, I really don't have time for your riddles because I have this hot blonde chick who is, like, DTF. Yeah, seriously, get out of here. Although I'm surprised they wouldn't just have sex, I I was going to say in the bar, but I'm sure there's also a hotel part to it. Why would he pay for a room when he has a boat right there? Beds? He's got beds in his stateroom. He lives on the boat for... You think there's not a comfortable place on his boat? He lives on it for months, if not years at a time. I don't know. I just... If that's the bed that you're going to be sleeping in for the next, like, six months... Okay, you want to... You want to get, like, really weird about this? That's his brother's bed. Oh, yeah. That would be another reason to not have sex in it. Just saying. Yes. Anyway, uh, Hook is... Emma distracts Hook... Emma distracts present Hook while future Hook sneaks out by, like, just jumping all over him until until future Hook can get out of the way. But then future Hook's like, um, I think Emma's totally gonna have sex with past me, and I'm not okay with that. So he knocks past him out. And she's like, okay, what happened to not fucking with the timeline? And Hook says, he'll blame the rum. Which he will. He'll just assume he got drunk and passed out, I think. Hook's all like... Oh, oh, good. A lesson on causality from Miss I Am My Own Grandpa. Lot of, lot of Roswell that ends well in this episode. <laughs> Again, time travel. Anyway. Buffy never did time travel, did they? Um, did Buffy ever do time travel? No. No? They had the ghost possession from the 70s, but... That's not time travel. But that's not time travel. There's a flashback episode where we meet Robin the Slayer, but that's not time travel. It's just a flashback episode. Um, There's lots of flashback episodes, actually, but no time travel ones. There's the time loop, but that's not time travel. Yeah, and there's lots of dealing with, like, ghosts from the past that give you hallucinations of the past, but that's not time travel. Yeah, I don't think Buffy ever did time travel. Buffy never did time travel. Did Angel? I think Angel might have, uh, but I don't. I don't know Angel as well. God, I feel no. Angel definitely did time travel. They time traveled in the Hyperion. That wasn't just a ghost hallucination. Oh, you're right. That was just a ghost hallucination. I guess there's no point in writing a time travel story if you can just do a ghost hallucination story. Yeah. Yeah. Then you don't have a lot of time travel paradoxes to deal with. No, and they had that ballet, but that was more of a never aging thing yeah and they had the thing where angel where angel and faith went through angel's memories and jealous and faith went through but that's that's memory travel that's not that's not time travel yeah yep hmm weird yeah i mean charmed did time travel all the time they did and not just when they needed a clip show although often when they needed a clip show they had magical go-go boots to let you time travel they did they had (laughs) that was a terrible show 
was just a straight up terrible show. Oh, oh god. I was looking up people who were like famous uh, who ended up becoming famous but before that they were on charmed. Yeah. And I know we talked about this like last episode, but I don't remember them now, but there were so many of them. Because, like I said, uh, Zachary Quinto. But uh, Rain Wilson was also in. Although, is Rain Wilson famous? Uh, yeah, no, that's, that's that's enough. Yeah. Yeah, and Amy Adams, of course. Uh-huh. But, like, there were so many famous people on that show before they were people. Before they were pe- before they were people? Yeah, before they were people. All right. Like Steve Carell on the Dana Carvey show, before he was a person. Anyway, so... I like Steve Carell a lot less now that we've seen that documentary. Okay, I'm sure he didn't write that sketch. But He just... was just a low-level guy. Think about all of the people that had to go through. I'm just not going to put blame on Steve Carell's shoulders for that. I don't... That was really racist, though. That was like... Yeah, that was a really racist sketch. That was like white supremacist propaganda level of racist. Yeah, it was bad. It's not good. So, in other words, I'm okay with what happened to the Dana Carvey show. Well, that's what I'm saying. The Dana Carvey show is what happens when you put a bunch of white men in a room together and tell them there are no rules. So, it's time for serious emotional talk with uh, Emma and Hook. Oh, sorry. No, it's not. (laughs) So... Now that the now that the send Mary Margaret on her quest part of the mission has been completed, Hook and Hook and Emma are trying to come up with the second part, which is how to get to the ball. Now, you might be worried about how Hook and Emma are gonna get to the ball if you didn't remember that Rumpelstiltskin is also the fairy godmother from Cinderella. Season one callbacks. Yeah, who is Rumpelstiltskin this episode? He's also the fairy godmother from Cinderella. Yep. He shows up and gives them an invitation to the ball so they can get in. And then bippity-boppity-boos them into appropriate clothing and conveniently changes their faces so that, you know, people won't recognize them when they meet them later in the future. Ah, but conveniently the spell doesn't uh, cover the audience, so we still see them as Hook and Emma. Yeah, sure, they do a... They do a quantum leap on it, right? Where they can see themselves in a mirror and then sends them on their way. Or a season eight of Charmed. Right. Remember? That was super inconsistent. Like, their hair changed sometimes and sometimes it didn't. And their clothes didn't match. Well, it was supposed to be so the actresses wouldn't have to be in the episodes as much, but then people didn't get it, so they ended up having to do reshoots. God, that show. Anyway, Emma's got, like... Anyway, he puts Emma in this great... Oh, it's this red dress and it's... God, it's really good, and it's sort of very classic queen, I'd say. Yeah, I mean, it's a great royalty dress, and when she gets to the ball, everyone else is kind of dressed in light pastels, making the bright red really stand out the way, you know, you want a gorgeous woman to really stand out. She does complain that the corset is really tight, which, yeah, of course it is. It's a corset, Emma. That's how they work. That's how they work. At the ball, they are asked to give their names, and, um, yeah, they didn't think ahead for, like, a second. Yeah, this is, like, okay, this is the most suspicious thing ever. King Midas asked them what their names are, and Emma's all, uh, Leia? Okay, actually, Hook is all, like, uh, and Emma's, like, he's Prince Charles, and I'm Princess Leia. You're giving the, no, there was, 
there's a significant pause between Prince and then Charles and between Princess and Leia. Okay, now I understand Hook's conundrum here. Because he's from Britain, where there's only like four names, and any name he can come up with is already a prince, so he doesn't want to pretend he's one of those guys. He could have said he was Prince Killian. Killian is not a royal name. Anyway, Prince Charles and Princess Leia. That's what we're going with. Which Uh, is nice because, hey, Disney owns Star Wars, you guys. Yeah, did you know that Disney owns Star Wars? So, then Emma's like, I never saw what the big deal about balls was. And we get this shot that's supposed to be like, oh, that's what the big deal is. Hook even says, makes more sense now, right? But it doesn't look that great to me. Yeah, it doesn't look fun. And it doesn't look full enough. Like, they couldn't hire enough extras to make it actually as extravagant as it's supposed to be. Specifically, what she said, though, was Mary, Margaret, and uh, David are always talking about how they went to so-and-so ball and it was so much fun, but I'm really not seeing it. I'm like, yeah, not seeing it either, but... Yeah. Anyway, Emma doesn't know how to do all of the group dances that they're doing, but Hook's like, ah... You are a woman, so all you need to know is how to follow a dance partner. And since I'm a British Navy officer, I actually know all these dances. So he dances her. I'm sure the Brits know what's big in the Enchanted Kingdom forest. Well, they're doing a waltz. And if he was, in fact, a British um, naval officer, which meant that he had some noble blood in him, he almost certainly would have learned how to waltz. Hmm. Although we know that he didn't have noble blood. Which I think lends credence to him not being a British. He, he was high. He was high enough ranked that he probably was invited to these balls. He he probably wasn't a baron. He probably wasn't anything above a baron. But he. I think most of what we know about Hook's backstory from later sort of makes it so that we know that he's not from actually from England. I'm basing it on what we know now. In which case, he's absolutely from England. Meanwhile, Mary Margaret's pulling a Batman 66 on the edge of the uh, castle. Yep, she's grappling hooking her way up the castle wall so that she can steal the ring. Grappling hook. Yeah. I'm sorry. I, I, I gravity falls moment. I'm unable to contain pop culture references. They just spill out of me. I would oh, like do, Emma. Yeah, I, I was just about to say, I would do terribly if I ever went into the past. You have to explain all of your pop culture references. Yeah, or had to deal with aliens. Ugh. <laughs> So, Hook tells her that she's a natural at following his lead. She's a natural at princessing, is the point. Mm, Which, we'll talk about Princess Emma when we get there. Well, but what's really important here is that Once Upon a Time is telling us that royal blood does in fact have some sort of divine right in it. And that Emma is in fact better than normal people by virtue of her blood. Just, you know, throwing that out there. Yay. Something like that. So they spy David and Catherine, and David's like, so do you want to dance with me or whatever? And Catherine's like, ugh. Catherine's like, I didn't wear dancing shoes, which, bitch, where did you think you were going? Neither of them want to be here. I know, but okay, you know what? You know what? You know what? You know what? No, I'm really angry right now. Neither of them wants, I'm really angry right now. Neither of them wants to be there. But this is a royal obligation, and they've both undertaken this royal obligation. So, you know, stop being so miserable to each other, and just do your duty, or don't. Like, 
Stop it. They're terrible. See, I like that because I was just pissed at David. I mean, Catherine's being awful to him, but he's being like, but he's acting like she wanted to be with him and she didn't. I, I, They're both being terrible to each other. I just have sympathy for Catherine because I would be terrible to David if, you know. <laughs> nah. Nah. They're both being unpleasant people, though. So she sends him off to get her shoes because she thinks she's Cinderella. I don't think Cinderella ever sent people off to get her more shoes. In fact, Cinderella kept dancing even though glass shoes are going to be hella uncomfortable. Okay, fine. She's Imelda Marcos. There you go. Anyway, up in Catherine's room, Snow is... Uh, anyway, up in the bedchambers, Snow is searching for the ring, which, honestly, she's looking through royal jewelry boxes for one specific ring. I feel like this is the scenario for which Needle in a Haystack was established. Oh, see, I was thinking Needle in a Needle Stack. Right? Because how much does she know what the ring looks like? I mean, presumably Hook describes it in enough detail that she could find it, but yeah, right? So, guess who got invited to the party? Yeah, yeah. See, King Midas is not a fool. He invites the wicked, he invites the evil witch queen to his party so that they do not get cursed. And Regina shows up in full evil queen gear with the black dress, lots of, lots of cleavage exposed. Unfortunately, the high pony. Yeah. But I mean, when she's like really being an evil queen, you kind of need to do the high ponytail. Yeah. And she came with her black guards, the guys with the stupid... With the terrible helmets. Yeah. For reasons. Just to be intimidating, I guess. Like, you can set people on fire with your mind. You really don't need those doofuses. Right? Like, you broke their necks for choreography later. So, Mary Margaret finally finds the ring, and she goes running to the window to jump out it. Sure. But before she can, David comes into the room and sees her... And they start tussling, and it's the same choreography as the fight that they had in the woods when they first met. So, oh, that's nice. Yeah, and they have the same line exchange. You know, he flips her over, ready to, you know, beat her to death, and then he sees that she's female, and she and he's like, a girl? And she says, a woman, and then hits him with a jewelry box instead of a rock. Right, because, because they're not in a forest now. But yeah. luckily she has a jewelry box. Also, geez, David, sexist much? Yeah, right. Anyway, she, women can be anything, David. Even high women. Anyway, she hits him with the jewelry box, which gives him the same scar that The Rock gave him, which I bring up only because what she gives him in both the prime timeline and this timeline is a teeny tiny cut on his chin that we're supposed to believe leaves a scar so distinctive that Henry can spot it from the illustration in the book to David Nolan in, in Maine. Also, do they do the scar? I, I don't feel like I, we ever really we, see no, the... No, they never, they never do the scar. But in this episode, David does have the cut on his chin. Yes. So uh, she goes to jump out the window, but then Catherine comes in. And she sounds the alarm that Snow White has broken into the castle and is touching all her stuff. Yep, because Catherine recognizes Snow White. And also does not want to be murdered by Regina. Yep, that is, that is good. So, uh... The guards go and they inform basically everyone. Yeah, so all the guards are chasing after Snow White and and Hook and um, and Hook and Emma realize that they better make sure that she does in fact escape because you know Emma wants to exist. Yes, and Hook wants Emma to exist. Yeah, he does. 
So Snow makes it safely to the ground, and she's running off, but unfortunately she does not have Stealthy to be a meat shield this time. Yep. And so, also, she dropped the ring. Now, normally I hate it when people say this because it's usually not true, but in this case it is true. Snow White, you had one job! Yeah, and David runs to the window and says, uh, Whoever you are, wherever you go, I will always find you. Which <laughs> no, but see, this is just this is just cementing what I was saying before. The timeline will write itself. Emma and Hook could have just gone home. It would have been fine. Yeah, that's how stories work. Like this is these are clearly lost time travel rules where where the timeline is where when you travel back in time. You can change the timeline, but it wants to drift back to, like, but, but like, water, it wants to drift back to the channel that it has already dug. So it's it's going to drift back. It's going to drift uh, back yeah. to what it was supposed to be. So, yeah, it's fine. You could have just gone. Hey, you know who we haven't seen in a while? Who? Our favorite character, the Ironic Archer. Oh, that's so weird. Yeah, who pushes uh, Emma out of the way so that he can murder snow yep and emma tackles him to save snow's life yeah emma takes out the ironic archer but since it is the ironic archer by pushing him over she falls right on top of the ring the ring that snow white dropped when she was escaping so now emma has the wedding ring and regina's blackguards run in to arrest them and hook murders them yeah hook i mean hook fights them and there's at least one that is definitely really dead. So, so I hope that guy didn't do anything important or give birth to anyone significant. Yeah, seriously. Like, don't mess with the timeline. Murders like five dudes. Yeah, just don't name. They just meant don't murder any front credited characters. Uh. Anyway, the guards grab Emma and are like, bring her to Regina. Because they're like, hey, uh, this chick just totally stopped us from killing Snow White. And Emma's like, Regina? And Regina's like, you will call me your majesty. Oh my. Yeah. And then she's like, your night's just getting started. Take her away. Yeah, that's what happens. So, yeah. That's how that episode ends. We're going to have some fun. Uh, we're going to have some plunging in the dungeon. Yeah. So that's the cliffhanger that the two-part, that the two-part season finale ends on. So I t- Emma is back in time. She stopped her parents from getting together, and now she's going to have sexy uh... dungeon times with Regina. Yeah, yeah. It's going to be like a seventies exploitation film. Yeah, I'm not good at coming up with puns, especially not on the fly. That's definitely what I was thinking of. Seventies <laughs> exploitation films. I was trying to think of a pun for Chained Heat. Ah, uh, uh, yeah. Not off the top of my head. So, um, since we got to go back in time to the Enchanted Forest, I feel like we have some outfits to talk about. Yeah. I really like, well, Emma. I really like both of Emma's uh, Enchanted Forest outfits. Her tavern wench garb was fine. It was fine. Uh, but her red dress is very striking and perfect with her, and perfect with her hair and coloring. Yeah. Like, I feel... This really shows what the show can do when they're not constrained by, like, Disney's guidelines as to how certain characters are supposed to look. Yeah. Because that dark red 
looked really good on her. It really did. And, you know, Regina's... And Regina's, uh, and Regina's red outfit when she, when we first see her as the evil queen looked great as well. You can say red riding outfit. I know. It's unfortunate, but that's what it is. It's a, it's a riding outfit that's red. I know, I know. I just, you know. Especially in this episode, the episode where we see Ruby again. Although, we don't really see what she's wearing. Yeah. Weird. Yeah. Ruby, consistently our, our outfit MVP, and we barely see what she's wearing in this episode. Yeah, she's just standing behind people. Oh, wonder why. Hmm. Anyway, so that's really it for this week. Yeah, I mean, most of the uh, outfits are, again, since we're back in the first season, they're ones we've seen before. Right. I mean, we talked about we talked about Catherine's Kleenex tissue box in depth when she wore it the first time. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I think that's it for this week. So next week will be the conclusion of our time travel adventures. Next week won't be so much Back to the Future, except for the very end, which is also the very end of Back to the Future Part 3. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I guess that'll about do it. So if you like the show, please help us out by rating and reviewing us on iTunes. It helps other people find the show. If you want to talk about this episode, head over to our Facebook page, facebook.com slash ilovetelevisionzines. If you have a question or comment, send us an email at ilovetelevisionzines at gmail.com or tweet at us at ilovetvzines. You can find past episodes or donate to our Patreon on our website, ilovetelevisionzines.com. So until next time, I'm Max. And I'm Tina. And this has been Welcome to Storybrooke. Chicken, but not for me. I'm living in a different reality. Whatever, whatever, wherever.